Lord God, uh, you are the one that we praise. You are the one that we adore. You give the healing and grace that our hearts hunger for. Father, thank you for this reminder here this morning of who you are. Thank you for drawing us to yourself so that we can offer our praise to you. Father, help us here today so that we can hear your voice clearly speak to us. Help us today so that we don't leave here with just head knowledge, but we leave here with a stronger relationship with you. That we will leave here today knowing you at a deeper level and that we would anxiously be excited about sharing the good news with others. Father, this morning, give me the words to say and how to say them. Hide me behind the cross so people might see more of you and less of me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, my Lord, my strength, my Redeemer. It is in you whom I trust. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Won't you turn with me in your copy of God's Word this morning? We're going to be in Romans chapter 11. Romans 11, continuing our series through this uh, impactful letter that Paul wrote. Uh, lots of lessons for us to, to think about and consider as, as we go through. Um, we're picking up in Romans 11. While you do that, I want you to think about um, as we are in summertime, there's a lot of events going on and a lot of celebrations that take place. We just uh, finished celebrating graduations and, and things of that nature. But I wonder if there have been times in the past where some events came up or some celebrations were about to take place and you were anxiously waiting on your invitation and maybe it didn't come in the mail. It, maybe it got lost in the mail and you, you missed it. You accidentally threw it out in junk mail, but maybe, maybe you weren't invited. How'd you feel about that? What'd you think? That wedding that, you know, a friend of yours or a church member or a cousin, a friend or whomever having, and uh, you heard about it after the fact. And you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> I, didn't, I don't remember seeing an invite. Well, what happened there? What was going on? How'd you feel? Then maybe you talk to that person like, well, it was really small. It was really quick, whatever. You know, you'll, you'll be invited to the next one. Or we, we couldn't have too many people. It was just very intimate setting. But still you're like, man, could have said something. Could have invited me, right? On the other hand, you have uh, those, those events where you are invited. And then you got to decide, well, am I really going to go? Am I really going to be there? I got to get dressed. I got to buy a present. I got to do all this stuff. When we talk about our invitation to Christ, uh, be, be sure to know that your invitation didn't get lost in the mail. Be sure to understand that uh, you, you have been invited and you haven't been left out there alone and uh, that you've been forgotten about. Be sure to know that uh, the, the invitation is widely open and is for you to be able to accept. You just got to decide if you're going to come or not. 
What God has done for us through his grace is invite us into his house, into his family, and forgiven us of any and everything that we have done, will do, and we just need to accept. We just need to accept him. He makes it easy, but sometimes it's not as simple. This morning, we're going to talk about this invitation that God has for his people and, and the choice that we see over time, even with our own selves, of people just maybe they accept, maybe they don't. Specifically, Paul is talking to um, his kinsmen, the Israelites, and about how some of them, hey, they, they, some of them listen, some of them accept, and some just don't. But Paul is going to tell us what that means and what that looks like. It gives us a great lesson for, for us here today. Look with me, Romans 11, starting in verse 1. He says, I ask then, has God rejected his people? By no means. For I myself am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, a member of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not rejected his people whom he foreknew. Uh, Do you not know what scripture says of Elijah and how he appeals to God against Israel? Lord, they have killed your prophets. They have demolished your altars. And I I alone am left and they seek my life. But what is God's reply to him? I have kept for myself 7,000 men whom have not bowed the knee to Baal. So too, at the present time, there is a remnant chosen by grace. Well, Paul's there. Paul is talking about this nation of, of Israel who has always been a mixed group that is a combination of uh, those who are faithful and those who are faithless. And Paul brings up this story about Elijah. Here's, here's your weekly plug about daily reading your Bible. Because if you, you, you're not reading through the scripture on a day-by-day basis, you're like, who's this guy, Elijah? Like, where did he come from? And then if you're skipping over the Old Testament, I, this used to be me. I'm like, the Old Testament is too hard. The Old Testament is too complicated. I'm just going to focus on the New Testament. But let me tell you, if you only focus on the New Testament, you're going to miss a lot of stuff. Because here's Paul bringing up uh, this, this guy, Elijah, and, and you should have a memory, just like the Israelites. He, he, the Israelites knew their Old Testament. Well, that's all they had. But, but they knew when he called back to Elijah, they could picture up and conjure this story. They understood what he was talking about, where he's coming from. And I want that for you. When people are talking about the Bible, uh, I want you to be able to say, oh, I remember that story. You don't have to remember it all verbatim, but it should be familiar to you. Because the, the other side of the coin is if something talks, somebody talks about the Bible and is wrong, they added some stuff to it, they take some stuff away, they, they change the story for their own means, you need to be able to understand and, and say, wait a minute, that's not what the, the text says. You need to be able to identify the counterfeit. You need to, be, need to be able to identify the lies and when people twist and misconstrue scripture for their own game in order to manipulate you. This is why I'm asking you, in addition to growing closer to the Lord and understanding who he is, but I want you to be able to understand the counterfeits. 
I want you to be able to understand uh, uh, who's on the, on the right side and who's actually talking about biblical stuff and who's just trying to pull a fast one on you. Here's what Paul is doing. He talks about the story of Elijah because in Elijah's day, the majority of Israel had turned away from God. And if you remember, after Elijah's victory on Mount Carmel, he fled from Jezebel and he went to Mount Horeb where he, he felt like he was the only one left. He, was, he, he felt like all these people are being disobedient to God and it's just me left. It's just me, the only one that's standing tall for what is right, what is good. Everybody has left me. God reminds him that this remnant is not alone. Just to, to bring you back up to speed, this is coming from 1 Kings 19, starting in verse, verse 14. He said, uh, this, this is Elijah speaking. He says, I have been jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars and killed your prophets with a sword. And I, even I only am left. They seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said to him, go return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, you shall appoint Haziel to, keep, to be king over Syria and Jehu, the son of Nimshi, and you will appoint to be king over Israel, and Elisha, the son of Shaphat, and uh, Abel Melal, and you shall appoint uh, to be the prophet in your own place. And the one who escapes from the sword of Hazel shall uh, Jehu, who uh, to, to death, be put to death, and the one who escapes from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha put to death. Yet, I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal and every mouth that has not kissed him. You see, God preserved 7,000 that did not bow the knee to Baal. Elijah wasn't alone. And Paul mentions that there is also a remnant among the people there that he's speaking to. And I dare to say there's a remnant among us who are still there being preserved and have been chosen by grace. For us, by extension, God keeps a remnant of faithful believers to remind even us that we are not alone. God chose the Jews as his chosen people. And through these people, the rest of the world would be saved. And even though this doesn't mean that the entire Jewish nation would be saved, only those who were faithful for, to God would be. And fortunately, not all Jews turn away from him. Fortunately, there are some that still continued. This is an important message for us that, that we are saved by faith in Christ, not because we are part of a nation, not because we are part of a religion or a specific family lineage. Even as we're about to celebrate Independence Day, America is not uh, God's chosen Christian nation. People might say that, and we're going to be having a lot of pomp and circumstance about that, but that is not, in effect, the truth. It's only the people that follow him that have not bowed their knee to any other gods. The ones who follow him faithfully, those are God's chosen. 
Those are God's people. Look with me in verse six, it says, uh, uh, but if it's by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, grace will no longer be grace. This sounds pretty evident when you read it, like, well, duh, Paul. I mean, that, that only makes sense. But there's some of us who, who, who may not really grasp this and, and understand it. For those of you here today, do you think it's easier for God to love you when you're good? Deep down, do you think that God chose you because you deserve it? Or do you think some people's behavior is so bad that there's no way that God could save them? Have any things, these things passed your mind? These, these questions show a, a clear misunderstanding of salvation by grace. We say it's a free gift, it's a free gift. This is, this is tough for us because we feel like, well, if somebody gives me a gift, I gotta make sure to give them a gift the next time. If somebody gives me a Christmas card, I gotta be sure they're on my Christmas list. Somebody gives me a birthday present, I gotta find out when their birthday is. But it's a gift, it's free. And we shouldn't be giving to get, and God certainly doesn't do that. God does not give to get, I mean, you can try as much as you want to. There's nothing that you can give that will be a benefit to God. God got, has everything. He has all that he needs. You can't outgive him. Salvation can't be earned, not even in part. You, you can't even earn a little bit of salvation and, and think like you're going to add up to your credit on your account. It can only be accepted with thankfulness and praise. This is how this works. So God graciously chose a remnant in Elijah's day and God, uh, uh, and, and the God of grace does the same thing with Paul's time and he does the same with us here today. The notion or the idea of this remnant should be a motivation to each and every one of us to remain faithful. That God is working in us and he's, he's preserving us even though everything's falling down around us. He's still there protecting us and caring for us and loving us. Again, even though you don't deserve it, even though I don't deserve it, he's still there. God is still at work. He is still drawing people to himself uh, by grace for his glory. This should be exciting for us. This should be motivating and encouraging for us. Brothers and sisters, you must continue to be faithful even when it looks like nobody else is. Because it might look like that in your sphere of influence that nobody else is going to step up to the plate. You might be in a group and like, man, they know better, but they don't do better. You still got to stand up. You still got to stand on what is right. You got to be okay with being different. You got to be okay with being set apart. Like, oh, Mary's weird. She's always talking about that Jesus dude. Jesus won't stop. Joe, all he wants to talk about is scripture. Man, don't he watch TV or something? You got to be okay with that because that's what's important. 
these TV shows and movies that are, I mean, there's some that might be good. So some you might enjoy, but it means nothing when we think about eternity. When we think about our lives day to day, you might find some good feel stories that, that might uh, make you feel nice and, and want you to, to do something better, but it's only momentary. That's why we follow the Lord. That's why we believe in him. Your faith in Christ is far more important than being cool. It's far more important than you being popular. It's, it's, it's way more important than you being successful. But we need that reminder. We need to remember that. Paul goes on in verse seven to say, well, what then? Israel failed to obtain what it was seeking. The elect obtained it, but the rest were hardened. As written, God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes that would not see the, and ears that would not hear down to this very day. And David says, let their table become a snare and a trap and a stumbling block and a retribution for them. Let their eyes be darkened so that they cannot see and bend their backs forever. Again, this should harken back when we uh, think about Pharaoh and we'll say, let my people go. And you remember Pharaoh, his heart was hardened because he rejected God's command. And in the same way, Israel's heart was hardened because they rejected God's son. And in judging them, God removed their ability to see and hear and turn from their own sins so that they would experience the consequence of their rebellion. Again, we want to talk about choice a lot these days. We all have choice. Each and every one of us has choice. And people talk about, well, you take my choice away. Nobody, nobody's taking your choice away. But when you make a choice, you have to be, be willing to accept what comes after that. There are consequences to every choice that you make. You have freedom of choice to choose whatever it is that you want. And there are consequences for that choice. So what do you want to do? What people are really saying is, I don't want to accept the consequence. How, make that make sense. How does that work? There is always a consequence. And that consequence can be good, bad, or indifferent. But there are consequences. And this is what we see with Israel. This is what we see with us. You want to rebel? Rebel away and accept the consequence. The punishment for unresponsive hearts, it, it, it was predicted by the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah's like, hey, I want to prepare you guys. I want you to know and understand what you're getting yourself into. Isaiah 6 and 9 says, go and say to his people, keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their eyes heavy and they're blind, uh, blind their eyes. Least they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. And I said, how long, O Lord? And he said, until the cities lie waste without inhabitants and houses without people, and land is a desolate waste. 
and the Lord removes people far away, and the forsaken place are many in the midst of the land. And though a tenth may remain in it, it will be burned again like a terabith or an oak whose stump remains when it is felled, the holy seed in its lump. May this not be so for us. May we remain faithful. May we remember what the Lord has done for us, how he gave up his life for you, how he loved you beyond measure. Let's keep our eyes focused on that. And as he gave up his life for us and we have chosen to to follow him, we have submitted our lives to him and that we look forward to that day when we get to be with him forever and eternity and not be uh, separated him from him in the place of the gnashing of teeth and the, the fire. May that motivate us for everything that we do from day to day, everything that we say, everything that comes out of our mouth, everything that we do, may that be a motivation for us that we look forward to that day where we get to spend forever and eternity with him. Now, this is a tough thing to grasp. This is tough for us to understand because people try everything that they can in order to remove their own guilt, in order to, to put aside and deal with their own consciousness. Instead of going to the Lord, it was like, well, I'm going to work it out myself. I'm going to fix this. I'm going to get myself out of this rut. When, when in actuality, you should be running to him. You should be running to the throne of grace. You should be running to, to be on your knees. But instead, some of us, we try to work it out on ourselves. They do everything from therapy to exercise. If I get on this new diet, if I take this different medicine, if I, I go and travel the world, and then I can just go find myself. And I can go work this, this stuff out on my own. People continuously try to find things to fill this, this God-sized hole that they have in their lives. Everything else, money, relationships, drugs, alcohol, t- television, what, whatever it is, they're trying to find so many different things and none of it works. All of it falls short. This includes a works-based religion. Some people pour themselves into the church and they say, they start doing all this stuff for the wrong reasons. They do this because I want to make myself feel good. I want people to see that I'm doing all these things, but you're not doing it because of who God is and what he's done for you. You're not doing it out of the outpouring of love for Christ. When it comes to your sin, your shame, your guilt, you can't self-medicate it away. You can't drink it away. You can't burn it off in the gym. You can't work it off at your job. You can't get more education to outsmart it. You can't be more religious and add more religious rituals. You need Jesus. You can only find peace in God's love and his grace. It's only by his grace. God, 
that grace is God's unmerited favor to those who repent and place their faith in Christ. And it's available to each and every one of you. He's already invited you. All you got to do is accept. All you got to do is show up. And I'm calling you to do this today. I'm calling you to accept God's grace that has been freely given to you. To submit your life to him. I know the world tells us to to, to want to follow and chase success, to be more, bigger, better. That could be fine. That could be okay. But unless you have Jesus, unless you're pursuing him, it won't matter. Because when you pursue him, he might have you go up that success ladder so that you can be an influence with the people that are already there. So there's no harm, there's no shame in being successful. But for what? For you to give glory to God at the end of the day. I'm asking you today to submit your life to him and walk with him. Because nothing else matters. You can get all the accolades. You can have all the friends. You can be the life of the party. You can have all the education, all the degrees, the highest status at your job, the biggest title, but it means nothing unless you have Jesus. And if people refuse to hear God's good news, they'll eventually be unable to understand it. We see that. We try to talk to people about scripture and they just, I don't even know what you're talking about. I had a friend who was an atheist, who is an atheist, and we would have these conversations all the time. And it was one night we were having these conversations. He was asking questions and I was answering them. I mean, the Holy Spirit was working. Uh, He would have something and I would say, well, the scripture says X, Y, Z. And he would have something else and the scripture says, and we were going and we were flowing. And I'm like, he's he's getting it. This might be the time. He, He might be ready for Jesus. And I started getting excited. And we were going and going, and then we hit a brick wall. He asked me a question, I answered it, and like the, the understanding, I saw it in his eyes. It was gone. Like, what just happened? What's going on here? He, he just could not understand anymore. He refused to believe and he was not able to understand anymore. Paul saw this happening with the Jewish congregations that he was visiting. And he's like, hey, this this is real. This is the truth. I'm going to lay it out there. And either you're going to get it or you're not. So as we tell people about Jesus, their rejection is not a rejection of you. It's a rejection of him. And, And when you... When you just refuse, sometimes people just hear, hit that brick wall. And like he told the disciples, sometimes you got to dust the, 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 the sand off your feet and go to the next town. For us here today, I want you to take this message to heart to understand 
that you've been invited by grace to be with him. And I want you to have this on your mind every moment of every day. Have this influence everything that you do so that you can bring glory to him. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for your special and open invitation for each and every one of us. Father, if there's someone under the sound of my voice here today, let them know that they are loved, they are cared for, and encouraged to seek you. And when they seek, they will find. Help them to see that there are people here today that will walk with them on their journey so they can see what it looks like to be a Christ follower so that they can understand why that matters more than anything else that they pursued in their life. That they will be able to glorify you through everything that you've given them, the places that you've placed them. And it will be for their good and your glory. Father, we thank you so much for this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.